Welcome to Season 1 of Instrumental. I'm your host, Amber Petty. Um, I'm going to enjoy just this glass of red wine on this cold night at the Jazz Lab. This, Tell me about this club again because I'd never been here and it's very cute. Mm. What did you say it was? Well, I've never been here before either, but mm. walking in I experienced a profound sense of deja vu or, or more like, um, you know, in a dream, when you dream of a place that's real, yes. but everything's wrong. Yes. That's what it was like because it's oh. – there used to be a jazz club, a legendary jazz club called Bennett's Lane. Oh. That closed down two years ago. Was that – not here. Was no, it, that was in the CBD. Oh, I you see. You know, 10Ks from here. Right. But this club has been opened and um, with uh, the pre- the owner of Bennett's Lane has opened yeah. this club and it's oh. got all the same layout, the same decor. The oh, same, bizarre. The same paint. The piano's in the same place. The bar's <laughs> in the same place. The staff are the same. Or wow, that notable is. Notable exceptions. Very deja vu-y. Except the door's in a different place. So every time I turn around to go out the door, I'm, I feel like I'm well, in a dream. That is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I knew that, obviously, I knew that I was coming in the back end of your sound check. What is, like, not, not what is a sound check for you? I mean, obviously, we've got someone tuning up the piano downstairs. Mm-hmm. How, many, how many pieces, uh, how many instruments have we got in the Cat Empire? In the Cat Empire, there's. Usually eight on yeah. stage. And yeah. will all eight be on tonight? Oh, this isn't a Cat Empire show. This oh. is a jazz show. Yeah. Oh, this is okay. Yeah. I thought this was a Cat Empire no. show. No, no, this is so who so this bit you this is you you're leading this. Yeah, this is like a jazz project of mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, even though I feel like an idiot for not quite knowing that, That's right. the the other thing is, yeah. it's kind of hard to keep track of you because you, I've never, out of anybody in this series or anyone musically that I've ever kind of researched, you have so many things going on and mm. so many projects. Yeah. How yeah. do you? It's a bit of a it's a, it's a bit of a mess, really. Is sometimes. it? Because, like, I've worked in the music industry and I've been, like, a, you know, promo manager and so, you know, my job is, like, you know, if the band is in was in Sydney when I, where I was living at the time, then obviously all, all the media, the PR, the v- events and all that sort of stuff and taking them out for dinner and taking them to that dodgy old iguana bar, you know, all of that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know that one? No, no but <laughs> Did you I ever? Like the sound of it. No. Yeah. Dodgy old iguana bar. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. But it was infamously bad. Um but all of that sort of was was my job. So, you know, I, there was obviously there's a hell of a lot going on. So that for the artists it's just like, okay, they say to me, you know, when they're in Sydney, right, Amber, what are we doing? Where do we need to be? I was thinking on the way here, I was thinking, God, with someone with so many projects in in a number of bands, obviously the Cat Empire is just ridiculously busy, full stop. Mm. But also you have all of these side writing projects, what I mm. want to talk about. Like, how do you manage your life without having a panic attack every single time your alarm goes off? Well, the the advent of um, digital calendars made it a lot easier. Yeah. I say. Do you have to manage like all parts? I mean, I know you've got a oh, manager. I've got a great manager, yeah, yeah. I've got, you know, I've got... But also it's kind of an optical illusion because if you look at 
on if you use the internet to see what I'm up to, it gives yeah. you everything I've ever done, and it appears which is which feels overwhelming for me just to look at it. And, yeah, right. <laughs> like you to do I, it. I never look. I would never look at it myself because most of the stuff I've done, I, I never want to hear again. But. Um, <laughs> But it, it gives the illusion that it's all happening simultaneously, yeah. whereas really it's True. more like you'd spend half a year doing one thing, half yeah. a year doing the next thing, and you might not come back to something for years and years. Or, you know, I've done projects where I'd probably perform them once every 12 months. You know? oh, okay. So they, they have a life of their own, but but they're not But constant. they have an expiration date yeah, some as of well. Yeah, some of them run out of time. Some of them I get bored of. Some of them fail. Some of them... Um, you know, were never meant to last, but they're yeah. documented. So it seems like they're, it seems like they're still out there. And I guess it's interesting because obviously, you know, one part, you know, one of the most significant, well-known, you know, all over the world, and that was a really interesting thing that, you know, I mean, I've been obviously aware of the Cat Empire for a few years, but, um. But to be honest, after working in the music industry, I almost sort of dropped out of the whole music world for a bit. Mm. Just, I don't know, I just, I, I became very ignorant to what was sort of going on and out there. And I reckon that may have been a little bit of like kind of the explosion of the uh, Cat Empire, even though I know you've been around for a long time. I've mm. also been out of the music industry for a long time. But, uh, you know, it was really weird for me, especially because I've worked so hard for, you know, a couple of, you know, Mushroom Records and then Mushroom Festival and then Warner Music. I know how difficult it is to try and break bands. And so, you know, finding out how globally successful the Cat Empire is, mm. still is, has been for a long time and just has this really phenomenal following, like that's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. Well, and I mean, I think we've been pretty outside the music industry, you know, like. You have, um, yes. And that's why it has been, that was one of those, it's like, what's been their climb? Where have they been? I mean, I, you know, like it's yeah. how did they do this? Yeah. Like in, in many ways the perception of the band within the music industry is like we'll, we'll never fit there and the only way we can be represented there is in a pretty daggy way, you know. It's like yeah. it's kind of I don't know what you call it. It's like a bunch of private schoolboys playing world music kind of thing. Like yeah. our film <laughs> clips are pretty terrible. You know, our radio <laughs> singles are terrible. We, you know, we we've put ourselves into that. So the world. radio singles. So hello, hello. Oh well, yeah. I mean, that it, was the that, first one. That, many, many but that, that was a, that would what yeah. you'd be can calling a radio single. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we. We, I, I always saw it as like, in fact, I remember very clearly the first, after that song went to radio yeah, and became like a hit in Australia. I remember very clearly. A big hit. We played a show at the Prince of Wales where we'd been playing for years and we'd yeah. slowly built up a really strong following. We had a really loyal crowd so we'd pack that venue out. Yeah. But we came out on stage this one night. We hadn't played there for a few months and... The Thousands crowd of were weird just people. Like, they just had their arms crossed. They were just staring at us. They were like, really? "What's wrong? What's going on? Why, what are we? What are we doing? Why is everyone? No one's enjoying. No one's dancing the way they usually do. No one's getting into it the way they usually do." They don't know what you're do. about. Yeah, and then we played "Hello, Hello," and they all went cheered and sung along, and then they went back to having their arms crossed again, and then they all left. And then I'll never forget 
the bus boys or whatever, I don't know what you call them, the guys yeah. who come out and sweep up yeah. after the crowd's gone. Because this was back in the days when you were allowed to smoke in the venues. Oh, God, yeah. And I would bum smokes off the crowd, which I can't do anymore, unfortunately. Which <laughs> I mean, luckily for me because I lose my voice all the time. Totally. <laughs> but um, I remember the bus boys saying, oh, something really weird. Um, you've got a whole new brand of cigarette packs that we're cleaning up off the off the floor. Like it oh. used to be all Peter Stuyvesant's and, and Rollies, you know, like kind of student <laughs> cigarettes. And now it's like Peter Jackson and Holiday, whatever I don't know <laughs> what the brands are. But it was like it's it's mainstream. It was Australia. evidence that we'd hit a whole new demographic of people, and so it was bittersweet. They weren't it was quite like, as classy as <laughs> well. I don't know if, if we're going to judge them on their ciggies. Yeah, I don't know if a bunch of students kind of chowing down on ciggies <laughs> is any classier, but <laughs> but it was bittersweet because it was like that's so interesting. Um, it, it's not the crazy loose underground feeling yeah. that we've had up until yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, um, Ollie McGill, our piano player, would yeah. do – I mean, back then he used to do them even longer. He'd do like a 40-minute piano solo, yeah. you know, improvised. And so there was this great thought of like, well, this might be the first time that this new crowd has mm. ever has heard anything ever like experienced you know? a lot of what they – you could show them. Yeah, and so maybe some of those people came back and maybe some of them didn't. Yeah. But like – so I always saw that as like our mission, kind of like jazz outreach, you know. <laughs> That's yeah. a really interesting experience. Yeah, it's funny. For, for on both sides, on and off the stage. Yeah. I mean it can work against us as well when we play to audiences who are expecting one thing yeah. and they get another. Yeah. Because our live shows can get – Super weird sometimes, yeah, yeah. You know, in terms of the musical choices that we're making, and we've always put an emphasis on improvisation, you know, instrumental improvisa- improvisation. So that can be, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, an unexpected thing. But mm. then it, for our, for the fans, for the people who keep coming back, mm. and I think the reason why we've grown over the years, and yeah, because there's obviously some magic to it. Yeah, because well, because there is an essence to the live show that's more than what was shown in the industry, if yeah. you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, and, it's, yeah. and that's, I think, what people come back to see and also what people go away from our shows and, and you know, tell their friends or back in the day. Yes, the word know, of mouth. Yeah, German backpackers used to burn our CDs and take them back to Germany and then when we finally arrived in Germany, there were all these people there that already knew our songs, you know, and it wasn't because they heard something on the radio. It was because, no. I don't know, it was... Yeah, word of mouth, I guess. That's really weird, isn't it? But it's it's continued. Like what would be one of your biggest, most popular for the Cat Empire? What would be one of your biggest territories or, or countries? Well, after, I mean, Australia's outside, still the Obviously, out, yeah, outside of here. Outside of Australia, I think it's it's probably, well, all the English-speaking places like Canada, mm-hmm. the UK, and Germany, Spain. Spain's a big one. Aren't the Germans interesting? Because when they get on something – they get right on it, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They love... The Cat Empire and David Hasselhoff. Yep. <laughs> they do seem to love, um, like... They love um, escapism too, don't they? Yeah, and like group activities and like they right. love doing the actions and they love... Um, they Being love expressive. To communing in, in a large group of people, which, you know, is... Um, obviously can be harnessed in good ways and bad ways. Yes, and yes. 
they, <laughs> but yeah, they are amazing. Like I remember once we were at some music festival and there was some weird sculpture. I can't even remember what it was supposed to do, but it was a sculpture involving water mm. and it was like a machine that, you know, water made it spin around and then it, it was just like a sculpture. Anyway, it broke. And you should Sounds have seen, like a very elaborate, um, you know, sprinkler system in an Aussie backyard. <laughs> yeah, it was like a cross between a hill's hoist yeah. and, a, and a water sprinkler and a, and a piece of art. Yeah. But these, like if, if this sculpture had broken in Australia, it would have just stayed there, yeah. broken. You might have had a few guys standing around scratching their heads like, oh, that's how you'd fix it. But no one would actually do anything. It was in Germany. Everyone around just kind of instantly formed into like a cooperative group and they all – just started putting this thing back together and really? they were like um, they were like ants. I was going to say, worker like ants. the worker ants. It was amazing and they all just co- – they know how to cooperate. Yeah. Not all of them. Probably the punks don't. No, but that's probably why they are punks because they're going the complete other direction. Yeah, and that's another but thing. They, but, they, but in a way they're not because they're going in a direction of, of still a group. Yeah, but you if you catch the train in Berlin, you'll notice that the punks are like way more punk – than anywhere else. Yeah, they'd in the be world. Fr- they'd be scary punk, I would imagine. Yeah, and even the hippies have got big dogs. Do they? Yeah. But you still wouldn't mess with them. No. <laughs> so tell me about um so obviously this series is about kind of the love affairs with, you know, musicians and, you know, one particular instrument and of course that's not to say that there's not more than one, but mm. you know, Trumpet is been your probably one of your big true loves, mm. and um, so firstly, I just want to like, where did this relationship? Where did you two meet? <laughs> well, it's a love hate relationship, is, is it? I'm finding this out. There's a bit <laughs> love hate going on with a few of these stories. It's hard to love a piece of metal, you know. But where, uh, do you do you remember like how? I mean, were, were your family in you know instrumental? Like where where did you first? Yeah, well. Yeah, um, well, the so, I mean, my granddad always used to say how I'd been inspired to play the trumpet because he used to, he played the trumpet and he was a bugler in the Navy and oh, that was Australian convenient. Navy? Yeah. Yeah. But the truth is that when I started high school, I ticked the box that said saxophone on the form and my school had like, I don't know, six saxophones and I didn't get it, so... I had to choose another instrument, which was trumpet. Was it a musical school? Like I don't remember being asked to tick any of these boxes. Ah. In fact, I had to kind of gate crash myself into the the drumming team because there was no girls, and I just went, "Well, you need some girls." Yeah, but oh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> well, it wasn't for the rest of the guys playing, but anyway. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I mean, it was a, a bit of a musical school. Yeah, which school? It was called McKinnon High School. Oh yeah, yeah, right. I didn't know that. Yeah, I um, feel like McKinnon has – there are some – because I used to know a guy and I reckon he went on to be in some quite successful hip-hop band. Would you remember? Oh, yeah. uh, okay. uh, might come to me. Maybe 1200 Techniques or something like that anyway. But, yeah, yeah sorry, right. go on. Um, well, that was my school. Mm. It kind of had a good – it kind of had a good music program. It had a great music teacher. Did it? Yeah. Tell who was the music teacher? Because that's so important, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Well, his name was Ian Orr, or is Ian Orr? He's still around. Yeah. He's a trumpet player too, ah. and um, yeah, he was just really good. Like, but in a different way to a lot of the other schools. 
like, you know, they have this thing called the Mount Gambia School Bands Competition. Yeah. Cat Empire went and played there this year and it's like it's like nothing you've ever seen. Like someone should do a doco on it. Really? It's about, I don't know, it's about 6,000 teenagers from all around Australia going to compete with their high school big bands. Oh, wow. And they have like different divisions and some of the schools are like, you know, they're like in, in that, um, you know, the Mighty Ducks. They're like the, the really good evil team, like some like <laughs> Blackburn High. You know, they were always like the best, you know. They really? They would get up there and they'd play their songs and they were like, they were the best school big band in the state, you know. Why them? Like what did, what did you know about them? Like what was? They were just the best. Yeah. That was their that was their thing. They the, were the best. Yeah. They attracted the best musicians, yeah. the best teachers. They took music very seriously. Very seriously it was a yeah. school culture where if you were a, you know, a saxophone player, you'd get the kind of respect that most schools would give to their kind of footy stars. Oh, you know? I love that. Or like the netball team captain, you know, instead yeah, of being yeah. a sporting person, you could be a I don't know, a piano player or something. The star piano player. Yeah. And so it was, you know, they took their stuff pretty seriously. Yeah. And to contrast it against that, you have a school like McKinnon, which never really got its got its stuff together in that in that disciplined way. Mm. But still somehow turned out a lot of people who are still really great musicians. And, really? You know, I think probably Ian Orr as a teacher had he offered us like just a few basic things, like he talked to us about music as if we were fellow musicians, as if we were oh, adults. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he'd kind of lived it and he had a, a, a that genuine kind of real Australian kind of working class mm. jazz culture thing going on, mm. which you still see in Melbourne a lot if you go into a lot of pubs on a Sunday afternoon, you know, it's like. It's the world that jazz came from in this city and mm. it's still there and it's still there in a lot of the Melbourne scene, um, you know, and, and probably grew into, you know, Melbourne's turned out some amazing bands and musicians mm. from the jazz scene and if you could characterise a lot of it, you'd say it's like it's like irreverent jazz, mm. I suppose. Mm. Or it has a kind of punky kind of flavour to it. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to have a little chat about my sponsors because as a broadcaster who's worked on FM and Talkback Radio and now, of course, in my favourite place, which is podcasting, you have to realise that the more seasoned you become, you really deserve good quality equipment to work with and headphones to radio people, podcasters, singers and musicians become one of those things that you really want to feel good about. And I recently acquired the MT8 Yamaha headphones and I've become very excited about the fact that even after all these years, when you become a bit complacent, that these headphones have taken my love of sound to a real new level. And I asked my audio engineer, Luke James, to check them out and give them a try and he reckons he loves them because of their crisp sounds Solid build quality and he thinks, as I do, that they're super comfortable to wear. I'm actually wearing them right now. And you can check them out for yourself at bettermusic.com.au forward slash MT8. And now back to my guest. So so the 
trumpet. Obviously, you missed out on the sax, so you pursued your relationship with the trumpet. Your second choice. Yeah. I was just like, you know. But did you fall in love with it or you just kept pursuing it and kept maybe being inspired just about music? Yeah, no, I, I didn't fall in love with it. I just took it to school, you know. You had to bring it to school for band practice. I took it to school for band practice. I took it to school for lessons. I left it on the train a fair bit and left it at bus stops and always always was returned to me. Was it? It kept finding its way back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think a trumpet's probably a particularly hard instrument to love, although there are people out there who obsess over their trumpets and their it's not a, It's not your natural – I mean, for this series, I mean, I could have done, you know, 400 um, – Episodes with guitarists. I mean, mm. you know, maybe that's that sounds like I'm being really dismissive to certainly the ones that I've got because they're some of the best. But yeah, there's a lot the of guitarists. Yeah, the cream of the crop. Yeah, but but you know, yeah, trumpet playing is is not that. It's it's not the first sort of pickup kind of thing. I think you know, drums and guitar and that kind of thing is it. You know, it's well, it depends. I mean, if you're talking about rock and roll, then definitely rock yeah. and roll bands. I mean, there's a whole world of instrumentalists out there who, who uh, never, never even really step into the music industry. World. Yeah, they're they're in orchestras or they're in chamber ensembles or they're yeah, that's just practicing true. at home. You know, playing socially, playing um, in Salvation Army brass bands. Yeah, that's true. Woodwind ensembles, and you know, there's all kinds of beautiful stuff out there, and. Um, you know that's that's really interesting to me is that someone is just you know either picks or is stuck with one particular yeah. voice and mm. that becomes their voice and then mm. but really it's um the way I like to think about it is it's not so much about the instrument you play it's about um your language on that you use on that instrument so I guess I'm talking and how more. yeah so how does that work because you've obviously um, written and produced and created some really beautiful music and I love your um, struggle with glory album mm. that's I mean mm. that's just out of this world it just mm. it's Thanks. like what this is from some Aussie guy and this Aussie group like it was incredible um, like what's your writing process? With because I was, the, you know, again, getting caught up in all of the things, the many parts to you and the many projects, and you know, you've got Jackson Jackson, and you've got mm. there, there's just so many, you know, feathers to your musical bow. Mm. How does like, you know, and 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 the relationship that I guess that trumpet plays into this too, but like with Struggle with Glory, like how did that come to you? Where did that come to you? You know, how where does the seed uh, start, and then how do you kind of yeah. That was well. Struggle with glories. It's like Greek myths and jazz and gospel. So, so how does well, a concept like how does a beautiful concept like that come to you? I don't I mean, know. I think ideas pop into your head all the time. It's just a matter of discerning whether they're good or not, and whether like, they stay with you. Yeah, like yeah. how many? Like I'm, sh- you know, it's. I'm sure you would have the same experience of being like, well, it could be cool to do this, could be cool to do that. Yeah, I have cool it with podcast this. series all the time. It's yeah, like, absolutely. Is that something? Do I care about it? Do I really, really care about yeah. it? And then does, I go, Does anyone else yeah, care I do. about it? Can it work? Yeah. yeah. Is it? Is it? Can it? Does it have layers? You know, there's all yeah. kinds of things. Yes. But I don't know. For some reason, that idea popped into my head. I was reading my son Greek myths, the kids' versions at the time, and. 
I guess because I've always liked gospel music, but I've never really liked doing the whole imitating gospel music yeah, thing yeah, doing for the, various reasons. Yeah. Not religious, not black, not American, <laughs> you know, never been to church, all yeah, that kind of stuff. feel a little bit like a phony. Yeah, exactly. But then, I, I don't know, I guess I saw a road into not copying that music but just taking a couple of flavours from it and, mm. and but taking them into a different world, which is well, basically it's Zeus instead of Jesus, you know, but... I don't know. That's it's just, really, you know. yeah, it's, I mean, it's very interesting and very, very beautiful. What's with, um, uh, 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 what is that? Oh, it's someone downstairs. <laughs> Speaking of instrumentals. Yes. Oh, how beautiful. Player. I hope there's no copyright. I hope I don't have a, a record company threatening to sue me if we've got this in the background. That oh, sounds like that stride. Big? That's stride piano. That's the old oh stride God. style. So that's probably a song that's been out of copyright for a while. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love it. I just yeah. wanted to shut up for a bit so I could – oh, it's so cute. Um, so obviously you've got to have a good set of lungs on you to be a trumpet player um, and lungs, I mean, oh, I mean, no, no revelation, are quite important. Mm. But, but they're also – I mean, I was thinking just there's so much talk and sort of interest in mindfulness and anxiety and all of the things that I believe are totally related to your breath. Mm. And I was like, I wonder what Harry, like, uh, you, you know, what what is your, do you have like a strategy with your lung health or are you, because you mentioned obviously earlier in your career you managed to have a few ciggies amongst doing that, which, you know, you're young and whatever, but like have you become more kind of like aware of the, the, how precious sort of your lungs are? I mean, a guitarist or piano player, it's your hands. Mm. Is it your lungs that are the most important body part to creating mm. what you do? Well, yeah, look, you raise a really interesting area. Brain first. Mm. Then, well, for the mm. trumpet, probably posture, I'd say, or uh-huh. lips. Lungs, diaphragm. I mean, there's a whole bunch of mm. bits that have to act in synchronicity mm-hmm. just to make a sound. Yes. And of course, the brain needs to have the idea that's any decent in the first place. Yeah. Because if you can make a sound and yeah. it can be meaningless. Um, but there's so much that goes on in between. And this isn't just music, this is everything. There's so much that goes on in between. Me raising the trumpet to my lips, yeah. Thinking I'm going to play a note, playing the note, yeah. It's incredible. You talk about anxiety. It's mm. incredible how many crazy things people do in between the moment of stepping on stage, say, yeah, and the moment of performance, yeah. Like, I mean, to give you a really basic example, um, you know, all these classical concerto soloists are all on beta blockers. You know, because they practice this stuff for months and months and months. Mm. It's a full-time job playing, you know, so-and-so's violin concerto. And so a violin player will practice it for three months every day, eight Mm. hours a day. And then they'll go to perform it and they're so nervous. Their hand's shaking, you know. And all those months of practice down the drain. And so you have players who say, no, that's a part of it. You've got to harness that. Yeah. Nervous energy and go with it, and 
It'll create something like exceptional grab, in your performance. Grab it by the neck and go for it and it'll take you to a different level. Yeah, yeah it's like an accelerant, you know. Yeah. And you have a lot of people who are like, nah, screw that. I've worked hard for this. I'm taking beta blockers so that there's no chance of my hand shaking and there's no or no chance right. of being out of breath, my breath faltering or my fingers trembling or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And so, I mean, that's one example. I mean, oh, but I mean, you also see it with all kinds of but singers. But it's not natural. That's no beta blockers aren't natural. I mean, you also see it with all types of singers that they um, they write a song sitting in their room with a guitar, just kind of singing liltingly to themselves. Yeah. And then they go to perform it, and all of a sudden they're seized by this desire to kind of put their energy across to the whole room, yeah. and they do various contortions and and um, mutations of what they've done up until this point which sometimes probably sound awesome yeah sometimes can be good and sometimes can be a very shitty version of it yeah and so there's so much that goes on in between the music and the music reaching the ears of the listener it has to go through it has to go out your brain out your breath out your fingers through a microphone out through a pa into the audience's ears and there's just so much in between Mm. that yeah. And particularly for me, when I pick up the trumpet, mm. I mean, for years I did what I thought was like a dramatic pose. It's like mm. I'm about to play, I'm going to strike a d- dramatic pose. It's like <laughs> a lot of guitarists do this that. This will I look fantastic as a silhouette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then for years I did that. And then I was like, well, what am I actually doing here? Like, you know, I started looking at it a bit more closely. And really all it was was strain and tension and your starting point of going okay and from this point we're doing it well there's more so it's like all you need is breath yeah 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 and your lips to buzz like that that's what makes the sound on trumpet yeah but in between that there's like all kinds of muscles that you can use and you think you're helping yourself it's like Mm. it's like it's like um you know karate kid chopping the wood block it's like it's not about how much effort you put into it. Yeah. It's about good technique and getting it in the right spot. Yes. And, and doing it with a zen mind. And that's what a, a lot of performance is. It's like trying to get yeah, to that point all of parts, complete it? relaxation, but very hard to get there. Mm. Yeah. And so how, I mean, it, it, do you have like a process? Like if you're doing a lot of gigs, like you've obviously had a, you know, you've got a gig tonight, like is there... Do you have any sort of physical or mental or rituals or a way of getting into the that Zen zone like that works for you? No, not really. Um, How do you stay healthy when you're doing you know gig after gig after gig after gig? I don't know. I don't. Do you know you're not like precious like that? What about? But what about? No, just, I wish. I wish. Yeah, but what about with your lungs? You obviously don't smoke anymore. I do smoke you? from time to time. Yeah. yeah. So that doesn't. Yeah, I smoke. I try. Yeah, I, I try and look after myself more and more. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's excellence mm. and then there's, I don't know, like my world, my music world isn't really a world of excellence. That's not how I would describe it. I would describe it as uh, a world populated with deviant, divergent intelligences, you know, and, and wounded people and people who are, kind of reaching for something but don't necessarily know how they're going to get there or they mm. or they never have a clear path to getting there and um 
you know, the world of excellence exists in music but mm. it's not everyone's world. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I think for me it's like I'm barely starting to understand a lot of what's going on when I get out on stage. Like I've never really looked at it. I've always kept it at arm's length right? because I don't want to think about it too hard. And recently I've decided that's not the best approach. But Is that like you don't want to kind of think about almost your place in it too? Is, it, is that a way of kind of staying humble and not sort of just being able to kind of do everything that you're doing but also, yeah, just stay grounded? Because your energy, because, you know, even if you're just thinking about all of the different things or, you know, thinking about I've got to do that, I've got to do that gig and I've got to play that, but I'm in the middle of, you know, still recording Struggle With Glory or whatever it is, um, you know, your energy is going in different directions even if you're not physically doing anything. Do you think that maybe just having to stay chilled? Because if you were wound up and you took yourself really seriously, you could be a little bit of a frazzled mess (laughs) or an absolute arsehole. Yeah, many are. Yeah. Well, I've probably been both those things in the past, you know. Yeah. I mean. Well, yeah, sometimes you've got to be them to know that you don't want to be them. Yeah. But talking about being an instrumentalist, mm. it's like to me that's that's a different world to performing sometimes. Like because an instrument isn't just something that you take out on stage and wow everyone with. It's also something that you take home and practice on. and Yeah. You know, for me, the greatest satisfaction that I get out of my instrument is practice. Yeah. These days, even though it took me a long time to get there. Well, that's interesting because actually it reminded me, I was telling you earlier before, um, that uh, I did a podcast series with the Australian Ballet. And so um, three or four of those interviews were with the principal dancers. And they were, uh, what I found fascinating, I mean, of course, you know that they're disciplined and all that sort of stuff, but. You know, I remember one of them, Amber Scott, saying to me, every single, uh, you know, we go to still go to classes, you know, every day or however many days a week, and I learn something new and a new technique every single class. And mm. it's the it's, I think people kind of presume, oh, you just get good at something and then as long as you stay fit, you just continue to be good. But mm. you're saying like you, you know, you practice and, it's not like, hey, I've got this skill. It's you still I have to hang on to this skill. Is yeah. it a bit like that? Yeah. I mean, practice is different things to different people. Like mm. I think some people are trying to get better. Some people are trying to have fun. Some people are trying to learn a new thing. Maybe some people are still trying to stay in love too, like a, like a real marriage. They're, yep. they're, they're working at the love. Yep, absolutely. Because you said you had a love-hate. What's the hate? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, the hate. Don't worry, where's your trumpet? Is it like in a – it's not listening now, is it? It's right next to you, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, keep your voice down. Well, um, <laughs> I don't know, love-hate as in uh, – I don't know. I, I suppose I haven't always been the best practicer, you know. Yeah. And I haven't always um, played the trumpet in a way that I'm proud of these days, you know. Um, oh, yeah. So it's – you know, it's – it's, what's it's, what's for you? What's playing it in a way that you're not proud of? Oh, like I spent a lot of years in the Cat Empire in this very crazy world of touring and drinking and mm, all right, I was just yeah. blasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just blasting. <laughs> just blasting your way yeah. around the world. Yeah, could be worse ways to live or to yeah. have a have a have a chapter of time. Yeah, absolutely. 
but it was kind of like, I don't know, it was kind of like, well, you know, like you want to be able to take your instrument and sit on a warm evening on the veranda and play some yeah. music and for that to be a beautiful thing. Whereas the way that I was playing trumpet was like, it was more like a jackhammer that you pick up for a couple of hours a day and then you clock off, you know, yeah. you go home and you're like, oh, my shoulders hurt and then you Just get up the next morning and you go back and put yeah. the jackhammer on again, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that was then and then. Um, now I, I, I've I've kind of relearned a lot of things of just playing the instrument the way the instrument's supposed to be played and kind and of recording it. it. Yeah, yeah, Recording really, process. Yeah, yeah. And and so practice now is is much more enjoyable. You know, yeah. that's really nice. Mm. You kind of come out the other the other side. Um, one thing, and I know we've got to go kind of soon because uh, you do have a gig in half an hour, um, but th- th- going through like just sort of like, you know, I'm just looking online at all the many parts to you and just going, God, this guy does so many things. And also I loved reading about that free gig you did at Basement Discs for International Record Store da- Day when you oh, yeah. Yeah. launched um, Struggle With Glory. That was really cool. That was fun. Yeah, and just, yeah, I mean, nice to honour record stores. There's not enough of them around. But then there was some things like, and, and you know what, it, it's like, okay, well, did I Google this incorrectly? Did you write the GWS theme the greater, song. greater Western Sydney theme song? Yeah, yeah. How fantastic. How on earth? Did that come to you? I mean, that's that's the song that will be re- remembered long <laughs> after, you know, the that's hits of the such... Cat Empire have gone because those songs last a hundred years. Really. But but that's that's right. Like as much as it seemed like the strangers fit, no, you know, that's so presumptuous because it's not like I even know you or know your connections. Yeah, no, but it is a strange did, fit. Yeah, but how did that come about? But but also, yeah, I mean, if ever there was to have an energetic musical legacy, you couldn't really go past a football, writing a football club song. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. That's and everyone's so, jealous cause, everyone's so jealous because I, I don't know anything about football. You know, I don't follow it. I don't really care about it that much. So how did that um, – but, but how did that gig come to you? Well, uh, well, I met a guy in a bar who <laughs> was working for the AFL who was work, kind of work because, you know, they kind of – they made the team fairly recently and yeah. so he was working on getting this team up and running and he just mentioned to me, oh, we don't have a theme song, you should write one and send it in. So I did. It took me like two hours on my computer. I just What was your process like when you were thinking about it? Well, I just thought a lot of the modern, more modern teams have got terrible theme songs because they haven't respected the music. There's actually a musical tradition in, in nearly all the footy club theme songs which is – you know, they have the same instruments. They have um, a certain style to the lyrics. They're ma- mainly based on popular songs from like a hundred years ago. Ah, oh, right. And they have a middle section where the trumpet and bass trombone comes in and plays the melody, mm. and then you repeat the song. Like it's all mapped out. There's mm. a, there's an absolute blueprint of yeah. what a footy song should be. But and the yet, new newer ones haven't really. Yeah, you know the, that. the Adelaide Crows, Port Power, um, Port Frio. Power is terrible. You know, there's a whole bunch of them. The Suns. There's a whole bunch of them where they they tried to do something contemporary with the song, and I just strongly believe that the right approach was to respect 
the traditions that are inherent in a, you know, Melbourne's song, Collingwood, Richmond, all the, so many mm. of the classic footy did, songs. Did you say you Collingwood? Know. Yeah. Thanks, good. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, they're all, they're all the same <laughs> thing, even, essentially. Okay, still, I pretend that I barrack for Collingwood. I mean, if I, could, if I could tell you one player's name right now, I'd be doing well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, no, okay. no, 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 well, lost. <laughs> well, it's probably a good thing because people don't like Collingwood. No, they don't. Anyway, do but they? I like the fact that they don't like them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like your whole, uh, your, all your musicians are coming up those stairs. Yes, it's probably time to go. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, could, quickly, can you just finish off what you were saying about that, the, the Greater Western Sydney? Oh, yeah, so I sent it in. Come in, manager. So I sent it in and they said, go for it. Yeah, we're finishing. Yes. Got to go do the door lift. That's an important part of doing any gig, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. We, it is, isn't it? We'll be two minutes. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, so I sent it in. Yeah. Turns out no one else sent a song in. So it was kind no. of by default, really. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I went up and met with the players and the coaches and they, you know, said, what do you think of the song? One of the players said, all right, it needs more syncopation and all the everyone else in the team, like, Laughed at him and you oh, know because he. What does syncopation even mean? Exactly. Well, that's what the footy player. Oh, he'd planned like, oh, that. He'd written know, that down. Yeah. He's well, kind you know, of armed, hasn't he? The idea was that the, this guy was above, getting a bit above himself talking about syncopation, uh, but no, he knew what he was talking <laughs> about. Syncopation is important, and he was right. And I did change it. Did you? Yeah, I think that was Luke Power. I can't remember. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to go home and uh, look up what syncopation is. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for your time. No worries, pleasure. And you better, um, yeah, you better go and write down that door list. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I want to thank Yamaha Music Australia for getting on board and supporting this series. Please visit au.yamaha.com forward slash podcast to find out more about new products and promotions. And if you'd like to help us spread the musical love, it would be great if you could subscribe to our series via iTunes and leave us a review if you feel inclined. To hear more podcasts from me, you can head to amberpetty.com.au.